Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome back in on a Monday to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Always glad that you are with me after an extremely successful weekend for Ole Miss. A bounce back is probably not even the best way to describe it. It is uh, something different. We'll get into all that. Uh, The baseball team needed this weekend bad, and they absolutely got it with authority. So we'll talk about that. Plus, Elijah Moore finding a home, Royce Newman finding a home in the NFL draft. And all that's coming your way on the podcast right here. This is the Rebel Report. I am Michael Borky, and we have a new partner, Advantage Business Systems. Uh, Welcome them to the podcast. And uh, thankful that you guys listen to this. And because you guys listen to this, we can do things like add more partners to the podcast. ABS, Advantage Business Systems, they've been family owned and operated since 1976. They started where I sit in Jackson, but they do service the entire state of Mississippi. They prioritize spending their money in Mississippi. It's a Mississippi company. They want to serve other Mississippi companies. They provide office technology solutions for, like I said, the entire state of Mississippi, but they do copiers and printers, mail machines, shipping systems, uh, IP phone systems, communications, document management, IT services, so stuff like data security, cloud storage, stuff like that. They have local support, so you're not on the phone with somebody in California or New York or something like that. When you need their help, it's somebody from your backyard. You get a live person every time from Mississippi servicing you. So when you partner with ABS, like I have, Advantage Business Systems, when you partner with them, you will talk to somebody from here that knows the area, that knows you and your state and your needs. Uh, To request an assessment or find out more about ABS, call this number, 601-362-9192. 601-362-9192 or visit absms.com, absms.com. Uh, new partner of the podcast here. So, baseball. And I, I like to label things. If you listen to the radio show or any of my content, I like to label stuff. It's kind of my thing. Uh, like, in an upcoming college football weekend, I'll call it, like, Prove It Saturday. Stuff like that. It's kind of weird. I know. I'm I'm a weird guy, okay? <laughs> I have learned that about myself by now, that I am not normal. All right, so I like to label things. And this weekend for Ole Miss, um, it was a character weekend is what I'm going to call it. It it was a character series. And it it showed you that uh, you've got a team uh, that um, has high character. And here's what I mean by that. So they free fell, absolutely free fell. Five weeks ago, they were number one in the country. And in four weekends, they went from number one in the country to outside of a regional host. In four weeks, that's a pretty impressive free fall. Uh, They lost a series they shouldn't have in LSU. They lost the Mississippi State Series in part because of what I thought was a bad decision. Um, Not going to Taylor Broadway soon enough. They lost the Arkansas Series because of 
just a brutal bullpen day on Sunday. They lost the Florida series in part because uh, of mistakes in the field. They were losing games and losing games in different ways. And I've been telling you guys for weeks that this team is more talented than they've shown. They're playing bad, sloppy baseball. It's unacceptable. It's not good enough. But they are more talented than they've shown. And like I said a thousand times, they've got everything in front of them, but they've got to get it right this weekend. And they rose to the occasion and then some. This was the last weekend before they cut off the regional hosts at 20, the NCAA. Ole Miss had to win the series this weekend. Uh, my colleagues on the radio show were convinced that Ole Miss could have lost a fifth series in a row and still been a top 20 regional host, and absolutely no shot. There's no shot. Um, if they lost this series, they would have gone from number one to out of a top 20 and then out, completely locked out of a regional host in five weeks. They were playing bad, sloppy baseball, losing games they shouldn't have lost for different reasons, not showing you how talented that team really was, and they free fell. They needed this weekend badly. It was the most important weekend of the year, and what did they do? They showed up, they rose to the occasion, and absolutely just beat the crap out of South Carolina for two days. Three games, two days. I was going to say three days, but that that isn't really the case. Um, Extremely impressive weekend. And you wonder about the mental makeup of a team. I have often praised Mississippi State for that. To tell you the truth, full transparency. I know this is an Ole Miss podcast, but to be transparent, uh, I I really admire that about Mississippi State's program. They, If they have a strike left, they think they're winning the game. They have a really strong, and they have had a really strong mental makeup. Um, that's what I saw from your team this weekend. I mean, they were reeling. You know, I mean, like I said, I mean, you guys know this. Four series losses in a row, playing bad baseball. And that's the performance they turned out when they needed it the most. That was impressive. Now they've got to do it again. They've got Texas A&M this weekend, a winnable series. Absolutely a winnable series for them. So they got to do it again. But if you were wondering or worried about the mental makeup of your team, I think you got a pretty good answer. Now, all that matters is the postseason. It's all that really matters. they they got to do it when it counts the most. But they had their backs against the wall. And they came out and they fought and they won a series. In the same, like, like in Game 3, for example, they had already secured the series, probably were feeling pretty good about themselves. That was really the goal this weekend was to just win the series and they did that. And in the top of the second and the third game, was it a three-run home run? They're down three to nothing. They very easily could have kind of coasted to the finish, accepted that game three wasn't going to be theirs and moved on. But they responded with a two-spot in the bottom of the second and then a two-spot in the bottom of the third and then another one in the bottom of the fifth. And then they just controlled that game uh, as well. They played clean baseball. Uh, they hit the ball really well. Top to bottom in the lineup was uh, was really good. I think game one Saturday, you saw their best, most capable lineup to me uh, with Plumlee and Wright DHing Leatherwood. Uh, I think that is their, their best lineup. And uh, they hit mostly from top to bottom. And they, they got quality pitching performances. And you had a couple of really key uh, 
guys out of the bullpen that shut down what is a scrappy South Carolina team, and now suddenly you may feel pretty good about a couple of bullpen arms. This is what this team was always supposed to be. Did I expect them to win every series? No, nobody should have. But the way they were losing the series, um, that's why I was so hard on this team. And that's why I didn't approach the radio show with like just this blind homerism of, oh, well, they're, they're great. They're, they're still so good. Like This is fine. It's just baseball. No, I wasn't doing that because the way they were playing was unacceptable. It's not like they were losing games to teams that were just better than them. Because I don't think that Florida and Arkansas and Mississippi State are just better than Ole Miss. I, I don't buy that. I think they didn't play well. And that's why they lost those series, at least those four in a row. You saw this past week and what they were capable of, and this is why I was so hard on that team. I was so critical because this is how good that they can be. If they can make it a consistent every weekend thing, they're almost there. I mean, they can get there. I've said that the whole time, even through the four series losses, that they can win a regional. They can win a super regional. They've got everything that you need, especially now. So let's talk about it. Friday night. Gunnar Hoagland was just, I mean, this is why he's going to be a top 15 pick. He was just phenomenal. Uh, Coming off of the break he got last weekend, went six complete, only gave up one hit, struck out nine. His command was excellent. And and what I loved about the way they used him, and in part they were able to do this because the offense was so, uh, they just jumped on South Carolina early, had two runs in the first, three in the fourth. So uh, Hoagland got to the sixth with a, uh, five to nothing lead. And so that really helps them uh, make this kind of decision. But they got this performance out of Hoagland with only 73 pitches. So he had some tightness the week before and the week before that and the week before that through over 100 pitches. He, um, they had used him a lot and he had gone deep into ball games. And so he gets the week off just to fix that tightness and then comes out and he dominates and I think Mike Bianco, I don't I haven't seen anybody criticize this, so I'm not, you know, going counter to anything that you probably already believe, but made the absolute right call pulling him at 73 pitches. And Bianco made sure after the game that um he made it a point to say that Hoagland did not get pulled because of injury or anything like that. It just felt like it was the right time. Didn't need to go any deeper in the game with such a significant lead. And 73 pitches, uh, that's all he needed, which was great. Um just a phenomenal outing. He looked like he hadn't taken the week off because of, I guess you can call it injury. He looked exactly like the pitcher you think that he is. And uh, that's a big, big development, knowing that he's healthy and uh, didn't lose anything uh, with his start on Friday night. But the more important thing, because you know Hoagland was capable of doing this, was Derek Diamond. I mean, yes, he gave up a home run, but in his two complete. Coming in, looking the way he did, striking out five, and it was just one hit in the two innings. It just happened to be a home run. Um, Derek Diamond becoming a viable bullpen arm is a really significant development for this team because he did it in place of Hoagland last weekend and performed really well. And now he came out of the bullpen and performed really well again against a good South Carolina team on Friday night. So Hoagland's health, I mean, is the main story, of course. But Derek Diamond coming out of the pen and being a viable bullpen arm is massive 
for this team. If they want to achieve those goals that we've been talking about, winning regionals and super regionals, if they want to do that this year, having a guy like him with the stuff that he has coming out of the pen, uh, that's big time. Uh, Very important for this team. And they also got it on Saturday as well, but we'll hold off uh, real quick. Uh, Ole Miss wins game one to secure the series seven to three. On Saturday, the first game on Saturday, um, the lineup. So Chatney didn't have a hit, but you got to hit two hits from Gonzalez, one from Graham Dunhurst, Bench, McCants. Baker did not have one. Leatherwood had two. Uh, so you scattered eight hits throughout your lineup, scored seven runs in the game. Nikhazy was really good. Uh, I mean, seven complete, just three runs, struck out five, uh, just a very successful dug day. And then Myers came in and was good. Myers was good for his one inning. So that's another development, not as significant as the the two major ones that I'm talking about today. But you got to bridge between Nikhazy and Broadway with a clean inning and two strikeouts from Tyler Myers against a good South Carolina team. It's big time. And then Broadway came in and slammed the door. But game three is where the other bullpen development came from. So Ole Miss wins 6-4. to Like I said, they were down early, could have kind of given up. Uh, McDaniel gave up four runs, wasn't his best day, and just four in a third. And then here comes the freshman. Uh, big freshman, too. But uh, Jack Doherty, you saw in very limited action um, that he had the stuff that you think would translate to even – as a freshman in SEC weekends, and he proved it. So he steps in after McDaniel. He goes three and two-thirds, doesn't give up a hit, struck out three, and then Ole Miss went to Broadway, which fans were criticizing that. I understand why. Um, you know, three outings in a weekend's kind of tough, especially when you're three weeks away from the postseason. I mean, see, there's only three weeks left. You, you want to get there with your arms healthy, but he threw under 50 pitches. Um I'm not overly concerned with that kind of usage when he threw under 50 pitches on the weekend. I know, I know that getting a guy warmed up and stuff like that three times is physically taxing. But, I mean, don't go to Broadway, he gets criticism. Go to Broadway too much, he gets criticism. I I mean, I'm not going to get onto a coach for having his, his best bullpen arm throw under 50 pitches in a weekend. Uh, I mean, these are college kids. If you can't handle that, uh, then there's something deeper at play here if he can't handle that. Um, But he shut the door. That, uh, aside from the fact that Ole Miss is now just one game back of second in the West behind Mississippi State, um, discovering two viable bullpen arms this weekend uh, of course, if they can replicate that, um, that's the most important thing here. Winning three games, stopping the bleeding, stopping the free fall is, is the biggest story. But finding two viable bullpen arms, if they're going to make noise in the postseason, that's what they needed. They had to have this, and they may have gotten it. They may have gotten it. So really important weekend for them. And uh, they succeeded. So now I think that they are back on the right side of the hosting conversation. Um, Going into the weekend, they weren't, at least according to D1. And I know the NCAA um, 
announced or, or Kendall broke that the NCAA was going to pick 20 teams instead of 16 and just eliminate four uh, when the time comes. I do not believe that Ole Miss would have been one of those 20 had they lost a fifth series in a row. I just I, Forgive me. Um, I think the NCAA is looking for any reason to not award multiple regionals to the state of Mississippi on top of the fact that they wouldn't deserve it at that point. Losing more series than they win, they wouldn't have deserved it. Um, I don't care about the RPI. And it, their RPI is not like guaranteed host anyway. Or at least it wasn't. It wouldn't have been. Um, but it doesn't matter because they took care of business. Now I think they are absolutely on the right side of the hosting conversation. And the schedule sets up pretty favorable for them to get more wins to solidify their spot as a regional host. So Texas A&M this weekend, I know it's on the road, but they're not very good. Uh, just simply not. Vanderbilt, that'll be a tough matchup, but Leiter got lit up again. So um, Hoagland versus Rocker is going to be one of the better pitching matchups you've ever seen. But I think right now, right now, I would take Nikhazy over Leiter. If you needed me to win a game, see, a lot of people would call that like hot takey or whatever. I, I think it's just what you would prefer right now. If you had to win an SEC game based on what they have done recently, who would you rather have? I don't think that answer is lighter. So Vanderbilt probably has very slight advantage in game one over Ole Miss. I mean, Hoagland can shut down a lineup too, though. But I think Ole Miss's advantage over lighter. So major series there in two weeks, and then they finish the season at Georgia, which is a very, very winnable uh, series for Ole Miss. So a chance to solidify their spot as a host, but they have achieved uh, being on the right side of it now uh, after what was a free fall. So good on them. I mean, that's a, that's a high-character weekend. Their backs were against the wall. They needed this series badly. They got a great pitching performance from Hoagland. They got what Nikhazy usually gives you. He was That wasn't his best day, but it was obviously good enough. You've got two viable bullpen arms, and your offense hit the ball against what is a good, scrappy South Carolina team. Big-time successful weekend. They just got to replicate it. Got to be consistent. And um, it also shows you how important not getting swept and how valuable sweeping is. Because like Ole Miss is one game back of Mississippi State right now. That's it. Two games back of Arkansas. The SEC West right now is wide open, and they can get there. Shows how important that Sunday game was. I asked the question, is that a galvanizing moment, or is it just a flash in the pan? They've now won four SEC games in a row. Maybe it was a galvanizing moment, but... It shows you not getting swept, how important not getting swept is, salvaging games uh, when you lose a weekend, and then how valuable sweeping is. It's a big deal, and uh, this team's right there. They just have to keep on because they are capable of winning all three of these series. They're capable of everything in front of them. They showed you why this past weekend. They showed you why, and they just got to keep it up. They just have to keep it up, and we'll uh, we'll see if they can. So, the podcast also brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. Go by and see Greg and tell him we sent you. 
me specifically, not we, but me. There's nobody else in this operation. Tell Greg that uh, that I sent you and uh, get one of their daily lunch specials Monday through Friday. Uh, the weather this week is going to be beautiful. If you want to spend an evening behind the grill, uh, it's going to be a great weekend to do it. And, of course, when Ole Miss plays at Texas A&M, you want to set up a TV outside. I mean, Friday, my gosh, in Oxford, it's 73 and sunny on Friday, 81 and partly cloudy on Saturday. Set up a TV outside, get the grill going, and get that weekend started at LV's. All right, Elijah Moore drops to the second round of the draft. I was on a Jets podcast last night, and uh, they seem to be absolutely thrilled with um, <laughs> with Elijah Moore falling to them because you feel like you got an extra first-round pick uh, with Elijah falling to you. I know a lot of people hate uh, that he he's ended up with the Jets, and I understand why, because the Jets have just been so incompetent for so long. But I wouldn't rush to judgment just yet. Uh, I know there's some roster issues, but they, this is an entirely new coaching staff. He's not having to play for Adam Gase. Um, it could end up working out for him. I like Zach Wilson. I think they're they're going to rush him into something he's not prepared for, but um, I'm just really happy for Elijah Moore. Um, I hate that he fell out of the first round because he deserved to be a first-round wide receiver. Uh, I don't know how you take Bateman over Elijah Moore. I, I don't know how you do that. I watch a lot of Big Ten football, and if you needed one receiver that was going to make plays for you, it's Elijah Moore 100 times out of 100. I don't care that he's three inches shorter than Bateman. He plays just as big. It's crazy. Um, So I hate it for him that he fell out of the first round because that's every player's dream to be a first-round pick. But uh, I'm really happy for him. He completed the arc. He went from laughing stock of college football to dominant in the SEC to multimillionaire in a year. Um, so I'm really happy for him. I, uh, he deserved a first round pick though. He deserved to go in the first round. I, I hate that he didn't, but uh, you would think the NFL by now would have learned to not pass on Ole Miss wide receivers in the first round considering letting DK and AJ fall. You would think they would have learned that by now, but apparently not. Either way, I'm really happy for him. Um, I can't wait to watch him blow up in the NFL because he's got all the tools to be a guy that that plays at a really high level for a long time in the NFL. Um, I love his story. I think uh, he did something that humans do, and he made a mistake, and instead of taking the easy way out, after his coach got fired, to some degree because of what he did, he could have just as easily transferred and gone back home to Florida and played for Dan Mullen or played for Manny Diaz and gotten a fresh start. But instead, he put his head down, he went to work, and be, he became one of the most dominant receivers I've ever seen. So good good on him because it could have been very easy for him to leave. I probably would have. Almost was a disaster before Kiffin got. I mean, it was a disaster. Team wasn't very good. Scheme stunk. He was the laughing stock of college football. The memes were everywhere. And all he did was put his head down and go to work and become what he is. So the Jets got a good one, man. I was telling them last night, I was like, you guys don't realize uh, you got a steal of a pick. You got a really high character kid on top of it all. 
Um, you you saw the video of AJ Brown crying, talking to him about how happy he was for him. Um, he he deserves this, and uh, I'm happy for him. I really am. So. Royce Newman, also a uh, fourth-round pick to Green Bay. That would be a great fit for him if uh, there wasn't such an issue right now with this quarterback. I, you know, when I saw that, I thought, God, you know, if Aaron Rodgers wasn't trying to get out of there, uh, playing offensive line in, in front of him would be awesome. Now, maybe they reconcile and work it out, but um, <clears throat> that stinks. That uh, that stinks. He, he might be blocking for Jordan Love this year, but uh, we'll see if they can actually mend that relationship. I doubt it. I don't know. I mean, once a quarterback publicly asks out like that and talks about how frustrated and disappointed he is with the franchise, is it really? I mean, is that reparable? And then on top of that, so they have a disgruntled quarterback that doesn't want to be there in part because they haven't drafted weapons around him. And what do they do in the first round? They pick a defensive back that's a project that isn't ready to play, so they don't even go offense. They go defense, and it's a guy that's not even really going to help the team right away. It's insane. But uh, also happy for him. Um, Ole Miss has a handful of guys on this upcoming offensive line that um, can hear their names called in the draft as well. Speaking of that, I've done more thinking on that situation Lane Kiffin uh, firing Clements, the offensive line coach. And you've seen and heard probably a lot of stuff come out about that situation. And here's what I'll say about it. Who has the most to gain by getting negative information out about that situation? Since Lane Kiffin's taken over at Ole Miss, information's been scarce. In fact, it's impossible to come by. It's been a very tight-lipped program. Uh, All the information is secondhand at best. They keep a lot of things really close to the vest. They don't really talk to the media much. In fact, that has really frustrated um, at least a couple people uh, that cover the team. They, They don't allow much information to get out. Just not Kiffin's thing. And so when he makes this decision, and suddenly a lot of information is out there, where do you think that's coming from? Who do you think that's coming from? And that's all I'll say. Now, I'm not discrediting the reporters or anything. If you get information from somebody involved in the situation, you know, you 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 put it out there. That's that's what your job is. But who has the most to gain from negative stories being out there about Lane Kiffin? Probably the guy that just got fired by him, right? And since Lane Kiffin doesn't exactly care about narrative about him, You're not really seeing much rebuttal to that. This thing just strikes me as a lot of people are only hearing one side of the situation. That's all. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. But it's been a really tight-lipped program. And it's still that way. 
That's just me. I could be dead wrong. But there are two sides to every story, and the truth is somewhere in the middle. And it feels like right now only one side's being told. That's just me. Anyway, um, so yeah, good for Elijah. Happy for him. Uh, good for uh, Royce Newman. Also very happy for him. Um, went ahead a lot of really good offensive linemen. Um, I mean, there are a lot of guys that I think are going to be plug-and-play guys that were picked behind him. So just because you see fourth round, it doesn't like just jump off the page at you. Um, Green Bay expects him to be a contributor and a starter at some point in the near future, uh, for sure. So it's a good spot for him with all the disgruntled stuff with Aaron Rodgers once the dust settles. Um, generally, pretty good football teams. <laughs> um, there are worse places for him to have gone, even with all the drama and stuff surrounding Aaron Rodgers. So anyway. Other than that, uh, I'll talk a little football this week uh, as far as especially Matt Corral. The absolute disrespect continues, so we'll talk about some of that. Look at some post-spring thoughts going into the summer. Transfer portal is getting some interesting names in it. Is Ole Miss in on any of these guys? We'll talk about all that later on this week. Um, I'm gathering some information, hopefully have some uh, some recruiting talk with somebody that covers recruiting. A lot of interesting stuff about to happen this offseason for Ole Miss, good and bad. So you have that to look forward to uh, later this week as well. But for right now, big, big weekend for the baseball team. They are back on track. They responded. They needed that weekend, and they got it. So uh, really good, really good weekend for your baseball team, and they're back right in the thick of things. If they play like this every week, they're going pretty far. So thank you guys for tuning in. So glad that you are with me as always. And I will talk to you again on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.